0: cleared for takeoff uh welcome one and all to the jet fuel jet discord podcast the inaugural episode i'm your party host my name is joe rivera along with me is matt Solard, king sliz say hello
1: yo what's up what's up excited to finally get this off the ground it's been something we've talked about feels like maybe a year two years now and coming to fruition so excited to get it rolling
0: unfortunately sliz is going to find out the hard way that i take my time with everything Uh, As we discovered with this podcast and me setting up our accounts for everything 10 minutes before we recorded our inaugural episode. But uh, the important thing is that we're here, we're started, and we are ready to talk jets football it's very exciting if you're not a member of the jets discord community i'm sure you can find the links out there Uh, a lot of the the topics and a lot of the discussion actually from this podcast not only is it going to come from sliz and myself but we're also going to take a lot of user content from the jets discord channel officially partnered with discord it's it's exciting (laughs) it's a community man let me tell you it's it's a lot of fun it it for me i'm in i'm 31 i don't want to sound old but it really harkens back to the day of AOL chat rooms you know in the late in the late 90s so it's a lot of fun we hope you join us there and we hope you you enjoy this podcast as well so we will begin as we will with every episode here with the runway rundown so this is, uh there's there's good news and there's bad news which which do you want to which do you want to hear first
1: well i, I feel like we got to to start with the Proverbial elephant in the room here. It just came out of camp and past day or two with with the Mackay Becton injury. Um, All sorts of different sources kind of confirming the worst. I I have Mike Garofalo's tweet here about It was confirmed a suffered avulsion fracture of the kneecap, which we we dug into a little bit where that's essentially a fragment of his bone pulled off with with the ligament. And I believe there might have been a tear, too. So uh, definitely a a major injury and expect it says expectation is that he's going to be out for the season. So yeah
0: that's the uh, that's the bad news. So I guess there's there's more bad news. <laughs> the bad news is that with the way things are shaping up you or I might line up at right tackle uh this Friday's preseason game. So obviously this isn't this isn't great news. Um you're really hoping that Beckham was going to get healthy, he was going to get right and he looked like he dropped a lot of weight. He looked like he was ready to play. There's no one to blame here. Right? So that's that's your first that's our first big bullet point. There is there's no one to blame here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's like, we just went through about a year, a year plus of hearing all the negativity around McKay. You know, I think kind of in the, the wake of the news this morning and last night you have all this finger pointing you have the the SNY clip of McKay kind of limping earlier in the practice and all oh, the medical staff should have saved him. All oh, the coaching staff should have saved him. It's like, man, <laughs> I don't know. It's, so much of it's just on the athlete and then so much of it just his first injury was kind of a fluke this one is it's unrelated but it it's all related it's all in the knee and and you know kind of the one thing that probably weighs into it the most is his weight and and the variability and just everything going on there he did have plantar fasciitis too last year that's all that all connects it all influences each other so it's i don't know it's tough
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely tough. I think the thing that we learn from sports injuries, no matter the sport, right? And I'm obviously a big baseball guy, is that there's always compensation, you always compensate for different injuries, right? So when you guys have an elbow injury in baseball, it's usually related to the shoulder, right? Or in football, you have one injury with the calf or a hamstring, it's because you're compensating for something else. So It sucks that Makai had this knee injury from last season and you just get the feel that that threw everything out of whack for him and couple that with a rehab that maybe took too long with the weight loss or the weight rumors into the weight loss. He looked like he came into camp looking in shape. It it it's all connected, like you said. And it really again, it really sucks because it's it's a separate injury. It's obviously all connected, it's all on the same knee. You hate it for the big guy because you're really feeling good. I mean, we talked about it when we did our, our pilot episode. There were it was all good vibes, man. Everything yeah. was good. Like he's like, damn, we're set. Makai's gonna play right tackle, they're gonna be crushing skulls on the right side, him and AVT running. And now all of a sudden you're you're looking at all these different options with Makai, and it's it's just terrible. It's beat.
1: Yeah, it and it's tough, and and really, it's kind of okay. After really a year and a half of Makai dialogue, it's wh- where do we go from here? What 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 is the future for Makai? It honestly, it's probably not good. He mm-hmm. he just went through a year of rehab. He he did not do a good job of shutting out the outside noise. And and if you listen to any of these pro athletes, rehab is hard, right? Mm-hmm. And it it's gonna be hard doing it. Just getting through it the second time never mind getting to a place where his body you know now he's had he's gonna have two injuries on that knee he's he's gonna be battling weight the whole time he's not gonna be able to to work out here for probably a couple months until that that knee heals up enough it's hard to see him being part of the long-term picture anymore
0: it's really beat and like you said it's it is hard to see him part of the long-term future um and, and to deal with a lengthy rehab, essentially two years in a row, right? That's, it's got to kill him. It's It's got to kill him. I mean, again, I don't know, you know, you don't want to play the blame game, but ultimately it comes down to, was he in shape when he was rehabbing last year? We'll never know one way or the other, right? We don't know what actually happened with that knee injury. We don't know what happened with his weight. Ultimately, you hope that he he's learned his lessons. And if he was ballooned and if he was out of shape, that he won't go through this rehab process and and go through that again, where he's going to gain weight, even if he can't, he can't get on the field. He can't walk, you know, he can't, he can't train properly, condition properly. So yeah, the future is very much in doubt for him. Unfortunately, I, I think in my gut, I don't see him playing another snap with the jets. I just don't, if he, I don't think that Douglas will go into another off season and put all of this faith in McKay and put all of this faith in, all right, I'm comfortable with this because now, and we're going to get into we're going to get into the future here uh, with you know the Dwayne Brown rumors and who else might be out there. But that's that that was really I don't want to say that Douglas is. We both know Douglas isn't the perfect GM, right? We, and we know he's not without blame in this situation because we've said it all offseason. Tackle depth was a problem, and and Douglas put so much faith in not only Makai getting healthy but George Fant getting healthy. And you're also banking that George Fant's season last year, his 21, 20, 2021 season, wasn't an aberration. And you're hoping that that's the real George Fant, which for me, I, I like to see guys do it twice in a row before I, before I really throw that faith in them. Like we see guys have one year wonders all the time. Um, so it's, you know, Douglas isn't without blame, but there are options. And the big one has been uh, both in size and in name value is Wayne Brown who visited the jets over the weekend reports said, and he was there at the green and white scrimmage on Saturday night. Sliz, what is, what is Dwayne Brown potentially bring to the jets? And I have lots of thoughts on this. Um, I want to hear, I want to hear what your, your take is on it though.
1: Yeah. So, so Dwayne Brown specifically is interesting. So he's, he's a little bit older. He's going on 37 this year. Um, but even last year at 36, he still had a productive season. I know, I think he had a holdout going into the season, wanted to rework that contract a little bit, um, but still been productive. But anytime you start getting a tackle up that old, I think there was some report earlier as well that um, he's kind of definitely on the veteran plan. I think he had a recent knee scope. So it's just another thing where he's probably the best tackle out there but it's also he's certainly at most a one-year stopgap, and still it, it kind of calls question into depth the the biggest question with with a Dwayne Brown is he's played a left tackle his entire career right we we flipped Becton to the right side to keep Fant at left tackle which is what we brought him we, we signed him originally to be a left tackle and then after last year with the Becton injury, moved him to left tackle, and he was productive. He, was, he was certainly felt better there. And how much of that was just the new scheme, new environment, versus actually flipping sides, um, hard to know. But it, it is a weird dynamic of kind of the musical chairs of now shuffling the whole O-line again.
0: Yeah, that's that's my biggest concern is, like you said, we, we signed – Jets signed George Fant to play him left tackle. You move him to the right side, he didn't look good in the other, on the right side. Um, and we know that Fant is a very athletic person, and we know he's an athletic guy, and I think that plays maybe a little bit better on the left. When you're pass blocking a little bit more, it's more it's more the focus than pushing people and moving people around in the run game. But he got eaten up at the right side. You move him to the left, and like we said, he had a really good year. He was above average tackle on the left side in pass protection. Maybe the maybe the Lake and Tomlinson signing helps him out a little bit on the left side too. But it's it's concerning to me if you're saying, well, now we're moving him back to the right side if we have to accommodate Brown, where he hasn't been good. And maybe AVT takes a step forward and he helps him with the run blocking on that side, potentially. I mean, who knows? But it's it's a concern because the options out there. I mean, we've we talked about Brandon Shell was a name that came up a blast from the past. I, I almost I don't want to say I prefer because I brown is obviously the better player but for me I'd rather look at these pure right tackle options in free agency and see who you can kind of fill that void in at right tackle before talking about having to shuffle it like you said shuffle the shuffle the deck again with the offensive line.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it's interesting, right? Where we we have we have Chuma, which I don't think any of us want to see actually get snaps <laughs> and then you have Max Mitchell who's a fourth-round rookie, probably not ready to play. You have Connor McDermott, who just went down to the green-white and scrimmage with, with an ankle, hopefully two to three weeks, I think, was the the prognosis on that. So we're kind of looking here at really just figuring out, we, are, we need a guy and we need a guy now. Like you said, there's there's not a ton of options this late into the offseason. You do have a Brandon Shell. You have an Eric Fisher, a Dwayne Brown. Um, Dwayne Brown obviously has been here and and certainly has a a relationship with Sala, has a relationship with with the George Fant, with the DJ Reed from Seattle. So that that seems like the likely the likely move. But you also have to think. So Dwayne Brown's been here since the Green and White scrimmage. He's seen two tackles go down in that time, Mm. a a starter and probably our our, um, first first man up and McDermott, it, he, he has no rush, right? He's not wanting to get in and, and participate in training camp and put all that wear and tear on his body. I'm sure he's at, at this rate, you know, our entire tackle room might be injured by the time or, um, the season rolls around. So there, his price has probably been going up and, we have some cap, but as you start forecasting this year, start forecasting the next year, it's like, man, every mil that you're spending this year just handcuffs you beyond. I, I would really love to see fan if he is at all potentially part of the future option, future solution for us, keeping him at left, seeing if he's he's got it. I'd be down if he goes eight games into the season and is, Playing like George Fanta last year, I'd look for a midseason extension. I don't think there's any reason to let him hit the market. Um, flipping him to right, I feel like kind of you don't know what you're getting. It's hard to extend him. It's hard. I'm sure he he probably won't be overly happy about that. I think he's been pretty outspoken about wanting to play left tackle. Um, it just kind of leaves you in a weird spot if you do bring in a Dwayne Brown. And I, I wouldn't expect that you'd flip him to the right side just for a year, but I, I don't know.
0: Right. And that transition is, I mean, Dwayne Brown's a pro and he's been a very good tackle for a long time, but when you bring in a guy who's never played right tackle in his career, has no right tackle snaps and they're saying, Hey, uh, you're 37 or 38 years old. Hey, why don't you head out to the right side and see what you got? You know, maybe set yourself up for another con- It's just, it's, it's a risky game. It's It really is either way. And one other name that I've been thinking about a lot, and I haven't seen this brought up anywhere, so this is pure speculation, pure rumor, and I know everybody listening to this is going to grasp their heads and scream very, very loudly, is Andre Dillard. Uh, he was a guy, 2019, so Douglas was there in Philadelphia when he was drafted, has dealt with injuries throughout his career, he was drafted as a left tackle, he started a few games at right tackle, I want to say. he's a free, the, the Eagles didn't pick up his fifth-year options, so he's a free agent after the year. So I'm kind of curious if, if Douglas would maybe go that route. Um, you know, again, it's it's another name, it's another option. I don't maybe the Eagles won't want to take that risk of uh, of wanting to thin out their their uh depth this at this point in the in the offseason. But again, he's another name and, and Douglas has a history of making those those trades where you know he gets he gets value out of guys, <laughs> like you know, you we'll see if he, he can get value out of a guy who maybe hasn't really lived up to that first round building.
1: I think if you look at the trades Joe Douglas has made, he's brought in a lot of guys he's familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's done a lot of those moves with the Eagles. You think last year with uh, Joe Flacco trade, um, you think even his first year trading for Alex Lewis, um, he brought in Nate Herbig mm-hmm. as a, interior offensive line depth from the Eagles. So there, there's not only a a player familiarity between uh, Joe and Dillard, but there's also, Hey, he's, he's <laughs> swung trades with Howie before and and swapped change and, and conveniently, uh, we're playing Philadelphia this Friday in the preseason game. So you, you, I'm sure there's some conversation going to be going on, uh, in, in the Raptors there, um, yeah, I don't see, know that. I don't think that that Dillard solves the issue, but I'd certainly rather uh, kick the tires than trot out uh, a Noga.
0: <laughs> so yeah, for you know, for those of you, obviously, this is a purely recorded podcast. We hope to have video at some point in the near future, but I, I wish you could see Sliz's face right now, trying very, very hard not to vomit at the thought of trading for Andre Dillard. Uh, he's just holding his tongue. He hates the idea that I just put in his brain. <laughs> Brutal, yeah, brutal.
1: You can't, you can't ignore the connections, though. And just based on what we've seen in in two, three years of Douglas, he he has made those moves. He's brought in Joe guys, guys mm-hmm. that he knows, especially mm-hmm. if he can get them for cheap. So, mm-hmm.
0: all right. So we we spent a lot of time in the offensive line. Obviously, we'll have some more answers hopefully within the coming days. Let's take it back to the green and white scrimmage from from Saturday. I was in attendance. I wasn't covering. I was just there as a fan. It was lovely. I had nobody sitting next to me uh, within five seats. It was great. I didn't smell bad. I promise. I had a foot long hot dog. It was delicious. Uh, t-shirt cannon guy just missed me by a couple rows. Uh, oh, every man. time they did it is brutal. Uh, and, and I do have a landing, a landing strip thought for later on that, too. So uh, right. I'm going to write that down so I don't forget it. But uh, to, to talk to talk shop, I thought Zach Wilson looked strong if I had to give him a, a a number on a scale of one to 10, I think he was at a solid seven. He didn't really have a lot of flash plays, but he had a lot of smart plays and he was connecting with Tyler Conklin a lot. I thought he had a very, very strong practice and it started strong for him. He had a, a excellent scoring drive. They had an excellent scoring drive. He connected on Tyler with Tyler Conklin for a touchdown in the, in the quote unquote first half of the scrimmage. It was just a dart right, right to him. He just laid it right on him. And I'd like to see that. I like to see that the accuracy, accuracy looks like it's coming around a little bit after that in the second half, quote unquote, second half, he kind of tailed off a little bit. I think he was trying to see what he could get away with because uh, he was taking some deep shots. He took a deep shot to, to Garrett Wilson that was just out of bounds. He took a deep shot to Elijah Moore, who was blanketed, absolutely blanketed step for step by Sauce Gardner, um so I thought I thought uh, Zach looked really good in in the green and white scrimmage I thought he looked decisive I thought he looked much better than he did last year and we we remember what happened last year with the green and white scrimmage and everybody came away thinking oh god did we blow this again but hopefully Zach continues to build to build on this
1: yeah yeah and I mean he opened up and and led a touchdown drive then the second drive he went down and, and got a field goal and and really it I, I wasn't there in person. Saw kind of a bunch of clips. It looks almost like we we pulled <laughs> pulled out a first down conversion there on the the far sideline.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But so something that jumped out to me, and I think there was a lot of moaning and groaning after the the interception and that clip circulated. And always oh, he's, he's staring down with receivers here and there. We we were, we're kind of looking clip by clip in, in the Discord. And I think George Or pointed it out pretty well. Of shout out George Or. Yeah, just just because like there's times where quote staring down a receiver isn't isn't a problem, right? I think people see the quarterback. Oh, he only looked at his primary read. It it so much of it depends on what what how many steps is the QB dropping, right? Is it a three step quick hitter? Is it a five step? Is it a seven step? And what was your pre snap read? What is the coverage that you read with your pre snap motion? If you if you know you have man to man and you're you're dictating your the one Braxton Berrios passed early, right? He took his three-step drop, just looked at Berrios the whole way, hit him in stride, right? He knew he had man, he won the play. That's okay. The the interception was that was a little bit different, right? Where I think he thought the linebacker was coming pressure. He thought Conklin was as hot. He just got it out either a little bit late or should have moved on. Uh, he, he got beat on that play, undercut by the linebacker, picked off. But um, just in general, I, I wanted to really focus in on the staring down a wide receiver is very much – you get in trouble when it's in coverage, and you know when a, when a QB's staring down a guy and not moving off. That's when they're just kind of floating in the pocket, waiting, for, trying to wait for their guy to get open. It's like, man, you got to move on to the next. It's when you get off script, off schedule because you're locked in on that primary read. But I, I agree, though. In general, I thought Zach looked good. Something um, I think Michael Nania pointed out on Twitter from, from Jets X. It on, on paper the stats maybe don't look so good, but they whistle they whistle everything dead. There's no yak. There's no yards after contact. Um, I know like th- there's that nice Corey Davis screen play off the side where he actually had had a lane and and they didn't give him probably as much as he would have gotten in a game situation. So it's like, man, these are really truly air yards every yard that they got. And, and even from a running perspective too, where Michael Carter last year was, was infamous pretty, I think he was best in the league at yards after contact. Um, those yards don't show up in scrimmages where the plays whistled the second you're touched.
0: Yeah. And I think the thing for me too, to, to your point, another thing that Zach was doing, I don't want to say well, because again, I I wish I could find a record wall. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere, but seeing him trust his legs a little bit more, if it wasn't there, that was good to see. He had a few nice scrambles. He put a really, really good spin move on John Franklin Myers along the sideline, which was, which was pretty, I mean, you heard C.J. Uzama say in the press conference afterwards, this boy is really, really athletic, um, and he is, and I want to see more of that from Zach this year. If it's not there, don't be afraid to run.
1: That was a stress point last year, I think, too, of, hey, you don't have to just hang in the pocket. You're an athletic guy. Get out. Get If if, they're, if their backs are turned and they're in man and locked up, take that space. Take the three, five yards. Live, live for another down. Don't take a negative play. Don't try to force something. You know, take what they give you and and move to the next one.
0: It's that balance, right? It, it's the balance with Zach. It's learning how to play within structure and also using your gifts. That's gonna be it's gonna be a continued learning thing. I think it's gonna be something that you're gonna continue to see throughout 2022. Is when is he gonna take those shots down the field? When is he gonna roll out and make an off off schedule off platform throw? When is he going to take off? When is he going to scramble? It's When is he just going to sit back and take the read and take what the defense gives you? Because I think we we both saw it last year, how often he tried to force throws and it led to bad interceptions. It led to uh, batting completions. Uh, the first half of the season, I mean, obviously the Patriots game is the one that sticks in my brain, how he tried to play hero ball a lot and it led to all the interceptions in that game. And maybe not all of them you could put on him, but uh, you could see that as the season progressed, when he came back from injury, especially he was playing more within the offense. And I hope that's something he can build on the rest of the rest of the training camp and into the regular season, because if he can, I, I don't want to say playoffs. I'm not going there at all. Competitive football. That's all I want to see competitive football. And I think, I think if Zach is good, they can get there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in totality, right. almost every piece on the offense around Zach's improved, whether that's the wide receiver room, adding Garrett Wilson, adding really three tight ends that were all probably better than what we were rostering last year. Oh yeah. (laughs) You you mentioned Tyler Conklin. He he seems to be the standout, you know, whether it's the beat reporting at practice, certainly on that green and white, he was getting a, a hefty, hefty amount of attention and targets. And, um, his, his usage is, was interesting just in the, the small sample we got of using him a little bit in line, using them out of the slot, motioning them out of the slot wide, dictating matchups, kind of attacking space. It, I, I've said it a bunch of times, like, I'm just waiting for us, and, and really we, we kind of did on that touchdown, hitting a tight end down the seam, which I don't think I've seen since Sanchez to Keller. It, like, it's been 10 years since we've had a, a tight end that can really stress a defense down the seam vertically. Um, it feels like he's going to be a big part of the pass catching group, and that, that in general, t- tight ends are always the QB's best friend. Zach struggled mightily over the middle last year. And a lot of that was probably the weapons that we had over the middle. Um, So having something kind of in his face as he's making his read, whether it's a primary or secondary, I think that'll help a lot. And Conklin seems to be up, up to the challenge. He, he had a career year last year and he seems to be, you know, continuing to run with it, which is great.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at the options they had last year, right? Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, who missed a lot of time. Like, you know, these are the guys and, Obviously, LaFleur and Salah t- t- are coming from an offense. You're coming from a scheme that you rely so much on what the tight end can give you, right? And it's not even just George Kittle. It's just what the tight end means to the offense in the run game and in the pass game. So I'm excited for this tight end group. Watching Conklin, obviously, over the highlights and, and everybody talking about Conklin, even Sala said he was a pleasant surprise. It's a direct quote in a press conference that he had. But seeing him in person, he made... Uh, at the green and white scrimmage, he made a really, really nice leaping grab where he boxed out the defender and made a a very athletic play. He's a guy that seems to just have a knack for getting open, which is exciting to see. And you know, at some point, CJ Uzama is not the most durable player. And you hope that, you know, obviously adding Conklin and Uzama and you cycle in uh, Jeremy Rucker a little bit when they need him. That's that's a pretty good group, assuming that Rucker can develop and uh, assuming that Conklin continues to build on his career year from last year he seems short-handed when he gets the ball in his hands. And we saw last year, I, th- I wish I had the stat in front of me, but he had like the highest percentage of, of target, like catches on target something ridiculous. I don't know. One of these PFF nerd things, but uh, he had one of those stats that, that really stood out. And I'm like, that's what Zach needs, especially with the way that he was victimized last year with drops, not only from, from tight ends, but from wide receivers, just all around the offense. So I'm really excited for Conklin. He he just looks. I wrote in the notes here. He's a player. He looks like a player, and I'm really excited to see him play the rest of the season.
1: The, and you mentioned drops. I think there there are probably some low lights too. Oh. sounded sounded like there were drops, kind of multiple multiple. Uh...
0: Three, there's three. <laughs> there were three, and it and it sucks, man. Because one was a beautiful throw to Jeff Smith. Maybe you could argue is potentially a little bit behind him. I don't care. It was it hit him in the hands. of the time when the ball hits you in the hands, I want to see you catch it. Jeff Smith dropped it. It was a great throw from Zach. Elijah Moore throw, uh, he threw it to Elijah Moore, and he just dunked it over Michael Carter, uh, right over Michael Carter and into Elijah Moore's hands. And watching the play live, I wasn't sure if the defender got a hand in and knocked it away from Moore, but Moore just dropped it. He just flat dropped it. Uh, and that was another another pretty throw. And then he had a Corey Davis had another drop right in the middle. It looked like it it slipped right through his hands and hit him in the face mask. And that was in I want to say that was in two minutes. So those are the drive killers, man. Uh, and and you obviously you want to get those out now. You don't want to deal with it now during the regular season. So hopefully hopefully that's the last, especially with Corey Davis last year. Like oh, he yeah. surpassed like I think he surpasses like career drops last season in. in in one year it's like ridiculous to think about but you yep. um it was this beat you hope that they go again you hope that they get that out of the way now during the right re- during the preseason so when the regular season rolls around I, I don't have to be screaming at Corey davis every game again so we'll
1: yeah see. and that's you know we were talking some of the additions i think that's where like a garrett wilson and a, and a conklin it mm-hmm. really make a difference really reliable handsy targets guys that you know, Garrett Wilson. I saw. I think today or yesterday, complimented his ability to really leap out of the building, play above the rim. That dude can. You know, watching his college tape, that that's something that jumps out. His body control, his ability to contort, and and mm-hmm. he's got long arms too. Yeah, I, I don't think it jumps out until you see him actually get up for a pass. But he has big long arms. tattooed,
0: think, big tattooed brother.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that'll help a lot. Where. Maybe, you know, the criticism with Zach, hey, his accuracy hasn't been the greatest, wasn't last year. It's like having guys that have a wide catch radius just naturally helps that out. Mm -hmm.
0: I don't want to spend too much time on this last point from the green and white scrimmage because I know that I'm going to start a firestorm by saying this. A lot of people are going to hate this. Brees Hall looks different man i'm sorry if that hurts your feelings i understand there's going to be a lot of discourse over drafting running back in the second round i understand why i've heard both sides of the argument i like trust me i totally get it and i wasn't happy with it either on draft night but and this might be you know it's putting too much faith in the coaching staff's evaluation and and the the scouting staff's evaluation and, and douglas but if you're drafting a guy that high, you believe he could be a transcendent talent at the position, right? You think you're thinking he can be a top five type talent at the position. Brees hall looks good, man. Um, Just from, from seeing him run physical guy, he, he was finding holes. He was hitting the hole during the green and white scrimmage. Again, small sample size preseason against a defense. That's probably going to be a little less good against the run, but just the way he wiggles, he has more wiggle than I thought he would have, and he looked pretty good. So, again, I don't want to spend too much time on this. So, Liz, I don't know where you stand on the whole running backs don't matter discourse. I, again, uh, I understand I'm, both sides I'm, of it. But, I,
1: have you know. rational, I have rationalized it in my mind. Um, <laughs> is, it, is it, else, ra- it if is it ration- else, Yeah, I was gonna
0: say, is it rationalization or is it copia? Which one is yeah, it?
1: a little bit of both, but <laughs> I, I think you know. <laughs> I I talk because I I was pro getting a running back. Um, early round two is maybe earlier than I wanted, mm-hmm. but if you look at last year's room and and visually looking at the clips, Brees jump his body jumps out versus what we have mm-hmm. elsewhere in the room, especially when you you see Brees take a snap and then Michael Carter take the next step. It's like these are two different guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, he'll definitely help. I think not only converting short yardage we struggled at that mightily last year some of that was our interior o-line big portion of that we had no back that could punch it through right um you saw in the green and white you saw some of that explosiveness to the edge that just one step cut hit the gap right kind of that that now famous shanahan outside zone and he's a perfect scheme fit there and and you're not going to see it too much in a green and white type setup, but I think his pass protection is going to be the biggest stark difference from last year. I'm really interested to see kind of how they deploy our running back group because it feels like day one Brees is going to be the the most able to hold up in pass protection just based on his size and everything. I think Michael Carter is willing but I don't think he's got the, uh, the oomph to, to hold off a, a D tackle coming down the pipe there. Um, so it'll, it'll I, I'm interested to see how it goes. He's, he was definitely RB one on a lot of boards, not mine, but he's, he's a, he's a productive running back. And if that run game's going, it helps the whole machine turn. And I know we've talked about O-line injuries. If you're plugging in a right tackle, Run blocking is a lot easier than pass blocking. We've talked about all the tight ends. You have guys that can help mask a deficiency in at, at a single O-line spot with your tight ends. Something that jumped out to me, too, watching the clips, um, we're going to use a fullback. I don't know how many snaps he had, but uh, Nick Bodden definitely had some snaps. We're going to carry a fullback that also kind of helps that dynamic of you can mask a weak link on the offensive line. If you have kind of the whole, we're, we're a scheme built to have a deficient tackle. It's okay. The Niners ran with uh, Tom Compton, Je- former Jack Tom Compton for <laughs> half the year last former year. Jack
0: great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Made a playoff <laughs> run. And it's like, you know, he, he couldn't hold up for, for anything here. And He's anchoring down on the, the, the end of the line in the, in the playoffs against some good pass rush, rush teams, right? The, the scheme can mask it. So I think kind of all that jumped out, and I think Brees, if our run game's moving, we saw that a little bit in the second half last year when Zach came back. If the run game's moving, it takes pressure off everybody, right? You can stay on schedule, ball comes out freer things stay on schedule it's it, it helps a lot so
0: it helps it does help a lot and the one thing i'm very curious just to, just to wrap up this Brees hall and running backs conversation is how much they use the running backs in the passing game because i feel like that's something i haven't heard or read a lot about during preseason is is zach dumping it off to a running back or running wheel routes or anything out of the backfield no screens no underneath nothing like that i didn't even see it during during the green and white scrimmage so um I don't know if that's going to be a staple, something that they use in there. I don't want to say staple because I don't think it's going to become a staple, but I do want to see Zach dump it off to a running back where, where appropriate. Now that Brees is halfway decent in the past game, then I think that he could do a lot and they can open up a lot for the offense.
1: Okay. Definitely. I guess, I guess with that, were there any other standouts? I know we, we talked a lot of offense. Anyone kind of jump on defense while you're out there? Or? Sauce, sauce, <laughs> this,
0: uh, Sauce looks like – he looks like – again, he looks like a player, man. Um,
1: Swaggy Sauce Gardner, right? Swaggy
0: Sauce Gardner, yeah. I don't want to scream into my mic like solid <laughs> on draft night. I Again, Sauce – I didn't have a lot of great things to say about this draft, but I'm just kind of trusting Douglas's evaluation and Saul's evaluation here. Sauce is every bit as big as his frame. He plays with length. He was blanketing guys all throughout green and white. He's a guy that doesn't look like he's going to get beat deep. When Zach threw, I know that he got it, he was called for a hold on the play, but Zach threw a deep ball to Elijah Moore. And maybe the hold, I didn't see it happen, but he threw a deep ball down the sideline to Elijah Moore. And Sauce was step for step with him all the way down. And it's not like he mugged him. Um, so Sauce stood out to me. Uh, Jermaine Johnson looked like he was flashing in the, in the run game a little bit. So that's encouraging. And you're seeing reports out of camp now that. He's looked a lot better and, and uh, maybe it's you know coming off the edge now with no Becton, but he's, I think he had like three consecutive sacks, simulated sacks in practice one of these past few days. So that's encouraging too. Um, But yeah, I, I think Sauce is a guy that now I have, he has my attention first. First he had my curiosity. Now he has my attention. So I'm hoping that he develops. He ha- certainly has the confidence. Interesting that Sala won't call him won't call him sauce. He he's calling him AG right now. Cause he has to earn the sauce nickname, which I think is interesting. I don't know when that's going to happen. Maybe his first, his first pro interception or maybe he earns a game ball. I don't know who knows, but we'll see when, when AG turns out to be sauce this upcoming season.
1: Yeah, that will be big. I know coverage and we've invested a lot in the pass rush coverage and pass rush play off each other. So Mm -hmm. that if that coverage gives them gives those guys up front an extra second to get home, that that'll make the world of a difference. I think we Mm -hmm. saw last year we didn't have much of either and and it didn't work out great. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's look ahead. Uh, This is the flight plan segment. So let's look ahead. Preseason game number one, Friday night versus the Eagles. Uh, What are some things you want to see out of this Liz? I, I can tell you some of the things I want to see really quick. I want to see Zach be decisive with the ball I don't want to see him go into a shell. I, I just want to see his practices turn. Uh, I want to see him turn his practices into game tape. I don't want to hear, I want to see him look hesitant. I want to see him just build on his practices. I want to see how the de- the defensive line rotation works out too. You're going to see, obviously it's limited snaps. Starters aren't going to play a lot, but with how much emphasis they're putting on an actual rotation this year, I want to see how that kind of manifests itself. Maybe we won't see in the first preseason game, but I do want to see how the, how Ulbricht decides to – how he decides to use these guys. And Sauce on A.J. Brown, I don't know if A.J. Brown's playing this weekend, but that's going to be another matchup to watch for sure and and just heard me wax poetic about Sauce. But what are some things that you're looking forward to seeing uh, this Friday?
1: Yeah, so I think I saw reported we're only going to have a, about a quarter max of starters. I, I assume that's on both sides of the ball, maybe just one or two series, depending on kind of how that first quarter flows. Um, I, I think a lot of the similar things you just mentioned, the the one thing on the D-line that, that jumps out is how the pairings work too. Are you going to get – how are we using JFM? How are we deploying him? Are, are you pairing up Lawson? with who, Who's Lawson's running mate, so to speak? Who is mm-hmm. Martin's running mate? How, what are our pairings on that Jacob side of Martin, the ball?
0: Jacob Martin, they're, forget, they're forgotten free agents. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um I th- I think safety is going to be interesting. I think you've seen Will Parks flash a little bit. His name's got feels like every week there's a new safety name really kind of getting hyped by the by the beat writers. So, it'll be interesting that, f- that free safety starting spot really feels like it's up for grabs. Um interesting to see who makes a splash there. And then I think at tackle <laughs> we got to figure oh, out man. who's uh, who's going to be at tackle and where, right? um and and also beyond that this is mims mims time to shine right whether that's to really make a roster push and and earn his spot and push for quality snaps even if it's just 10 a game once we get to the regular season put pushing for any snaps or you know maybe he shows out and maybe we were able to move him to a team like the bears who seemed to they didn't have a deep room to begin with and they got a new guy dropping every week so um, I, I don't know I think that'll be probably most interesting to me is, is those couple spots there
0: yeah I was doing I was doing uh, the Bears wide receiver depth chart for sporting news my my other wife and man that's a scary room That like not like in like a way like that puts fear into defenses like that's a scary room like it's re- oh, that's reminiscent god, this is of the, deer,
1: the the Jets wide receiver rooms two or three years ago, yeah. right? <laughs> oh no,
0: it's it like you have you have Darnell Mooney, and then it's like Taji Sharp. and I know Pringle just got hurt, Byron Pringle, who they signed, he just got hurt, and Nikhil Harry just got hurt, and it's like, oh god, they're running out Avilis Jones, who's eighty five years old now, coming rookies like a he's like a twenty five year old rookie, he was, okay, he might be fast, and you know we'll see ages and everything, but. <sighs> poor Justin Fields
1: Yeah Poor Justin, oh, poor yeah. Justin Fields
0: <laughs> All right Let's move on to our next segment here A little Fast and Furious action Obviously on our Jets Discord We have a nice little predictions Predictions in the Hall of Fame channel So this upcoming segment is called Golden or Wooden Where we took we take a look at some of these predictions That users have dropped in here And we say if they're golden As if we buy it Or they're wooden As in we sell it So I'll go first list The first one we have is from Kuiper and his prediction is the Jets finished a regular season with under 400 total points. You do the math. That's 17 game season. I want to say that's like 23 or 24 points a game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ah. This one's tough. It feels like, right. I don't know. I, this is a, a cop out hollow Joe answer. I feel like this oh. is kind of right on the money. Yeah. Um, I, I think we'll be scoring last year. We didn't score much, but we also weren't on the field much. I, I, I don't know. I feel like this, this is pretty spot on the nose. I think we'll be right at right around 400 points. Mm-hmm. I
0: think that's, that's fair. Uh Yeah. I think you said it. It's that's a hollow Joe. It's a rare hollow Joe is in the, we neither, we neither buy or sell, but Hey, it's our podcast. We get to do what we want. All right. Next up. Makai Beckton's personal chef says Zonovan Knight makes the Jets 53 man roster as the running back three or four. Golden or woodenless
1: I'm calling that golden. I've been very down on Ty Johnson for like a year and a half now. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he did himself any favors last year. He's not doing himself favors this year right now either, where he's, he's been hurt. missing camp with with a mm-hmm. hamstring injury. Yep. Yeah, you've gotten reports Bam Nights flashing. He has special teams value. He was a returner in college um i would love if he he pushed you know the the little p ryan's if he pushed the ty johnsons off the roster and filled that spot I, i'm i'm buying this uh, golden
0: golden uh, moving on to jerry from seinfeld oh god this one hurts me a little bit cave Thibodeau wins rookie defensive player of the year i'm gonna be a homer and i'm gonna say this is wooden because sauce is gonna win it lock it up lock it yeah, up this,
1: this is tough uh I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Wooden only because I don't think that team is going to put other teams in a position where he's gonna have a lot of opportunity to get sacks. Uh, I think their defensive front's pretty good, and he'll be set up. And I think he's a good player. But if if you think there were a ton of edge players taken top of the draft, right with with Walker Hutchinson, um, he'll have to lead the league in sacks in order to to take that mantle. I think and. Mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not buying it. Yeah, I'll buy it, I'll buy it when I see it.
0: That's a double wooden right there. All <laughs> right, George Orr says prediction: Cavin has more sacks his rookie year than Jermaine Johnson has his old career. Man, no, I'm I'm going wooden on that. I'm sorry, George Orr. That's come on, man. I don't need that negativity.
1: Yeah, I, I don't
0: need that negativity.
1: I, I feel I feel like it's been hard to shake the Jermaine. I, I was very down on Jermaine Johnson, and a lot of that was. When he was getting pick number four hype, where I think where we got him was absolutely fine in the back back end of round one. I this is a wooden take to me, and just putting the numbers to it right, like Micah Parsons led the league as a rookie last year in sacks at thirteen. I think second place was Jalen Phillips at like seven or eight. Rookies, if you say 12, 12 sacks is what Kayvon's going to get this year, uh, at kind of as a ceiling if jordan jordan jenkins got more than that on his rookie contract right mm-hmm. I, That jermaine johnson would have to play himself out of the rotation and off the roster within his rookie contract i think to not not meet that total i'm, I'm yeah. going wooden i think jermaine clears that
0: yeah i, th- I think that's wooden i don't know if that's short just memeing but he, he doesn't do bits as he claims so uh we'll see all right isaiah simmons Isaiah Simmons time says the Jets defensive line finishes top five in sacks and pressures. I feel like I would have bought top five in pressures, but then you add in the sacks and the pressures. I think this is wooden. I don't, unless Quinnen really shows up this year, I I just don't think they have a guy who's going to be able to get home because even with Lawson, Lawson coming off the Achilles you have a lot of guys that are going to be able to pressure and collapse the pocket. I don't know if you have guys who are going to get home and, and take down the quarterback. So uh, I'm going to say this is half gold and half wooden. Uh, the, the rare hollow Joe, uh, I, I can see the argument for it.
1: Yeah, I'm going wooden. And I, I appreciate the spirit of the take, though. I think we will, if we get teams in third and long, I think we are 100% going to be winning on those downs. I think we're mm-hmm. going to dominate those downs. I think we have a good NASCAR package, and, and we can attack the passer. Mm-hmm. What I don't think we can do is, A, I don't think we're going to score enough points to really put pressure on teams to be in, in two-minute drill, hurry-up offense a lot. And I also don't think we're going to be able to keep te- teams behind the chains. I, I think w- with our probably subpar run defense that that we're expecting – with our our linebacker core, and I don't know if I'm an offense coordinator and I'm attacking our offense. I'm running between the tackles. I'm doing a lot of crossers. I'm attacking our linebackers in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And if you look at our if you look at our schedule, we're playing a lot of teams that can do that well. Unfortunately, so I like the spirit of the take, but it's I think it's definitely wouldn't
0: honorary a tier Mets fan says Jordan Whitehead forces forces five or more turnovers this season. I'm, I'm going wooden here. I'm sorry. I don't think Jordan Whitehead is, is that kind of player unless he, he's forcing five fumbles or, you know, even getting two picks and forcing three fumbles. I, I, I don't see it. I think if he does that, then he out, or he outperforms his contract already in the first year.
1: Yeah. Well, I I feel like interception numbers, People just don't have a grasp for how, like that's a lot of turnovers, right? And just in our scheme, if he was a free safety, I would may I could maybe see it, right? If we're forcing pressure, forcing QBs to kind of float balls, um, taking shots, but he's gonna be playing in short flat and cover three. I I don't think he's gonna have that many opportunities for this. So I'm I agree. I'm wooden on this.
0: And the last one for our predictions here. Corey Davis will get traded after the season, after Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, and Garrett Wilson all outperform him. I'm going to say Wooden with a caveat. I don't think Corey Davis is getting traded. I think he's getting cut.
1: Oh, man. So I'm I'm on the opposite side of this as you. So I, I think this is Wooden. I think it's very hard for Corey to not perform to his contract. Um, so this year he's making 13 million next year. He's, he's only at, he only has an $11 million cap hit next year. We're seeing a, a market bloat at wide receiver. If you cut Corey, I don't know how you replace that level of veteran in a, in a cheap wide receiver room. Um, I don't know how you replace that level of guy for only 11 million. Right. Um, Valda Scantling got that this year. We we've seen Robbie Anderson got more than that and his extension. Uh there, there's lots of guys kind of in that tier that I think Corey's better than. Corey's also been kind of filling that veteran mentor role. Um, I, I don't think a, I don't think we I don't think he'd have a ton of trade value. Um, nor do I think we'd move him. I think we're 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 gonna be good with this room. Um, I think if we're going to make wide receivers, it's going to be trying to turn over the bottom end of the roster with Mims and Jeff Smith.
0: I I think this is, this conversation is going to take a lot on a life of its own over the, over the duration of the season, because best case scenario, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson look like one, two, one, a whatever, however you want to phrase it. Right. And then you go into next season, feeling confident about those as your top two. And maybe then you look at a mid round guy in the draft next year, just to fill out the room. Um, because I don't think if if you're taking that money and you're putting it elsewhere of limited cap that we have next year, you know, is the money going to be better spent? Is it going to be better spent to have Corey Davis as a viable or decent wide receiver three, or can you try and plug holes elsewhere? So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting conversation all season. I think, I think he ends up getting cut. I, I always felt that I didn't think that he was going to be here long-term. If he sees a third year, then, then it's going to be a massive success. all right, Sliz, so you're you're pretty passionate about this week's geek of the week, so please fill in the fill in the listeners on on uh, who earned this week's geek geek of the week.
1: Yeah, so I I know it was making the rounds. Um, uh, I guess it was about a week ago now, where uh, NYJ Matt on Twitter put out, put out the tweet uh, about Zach Wilson's passing passing speed where next-gen stats was apparently clocking our our practice balls and it was the fastest documented pass since next-gen stats has been tracking training camp and my geek of the week is everyone that bought in this thing has over a thousand likes it's got over a hundred retweets it's like just pause for a second and think about what this is a next-gen stats doesn't Release any cool stats, even during the season. They they give you such a trickle of stuff that they have. It's almost insulting that they don't give you more. B. They're not. They don't have every practice ball chipped at every facility. I don't know. <laughs> For some reason, it just drove me mad seeing that and seeing everyone. And you look in the comments. Oh man, yeah, this is the year X really got it. Hopefully, he can hit guys. And it's like, just, come on, man.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Don't believe everything you read on Twitter, folks. Don't just don't tweet at all, as a matter of fact. All right, so Liz, let's bring it in for landing here. Um, I have two I have two quick landing strip thoughts as we, as we start to close out our show. Uh, my first landing strip thought, and I'm very excited about this. Smoothie King recently opened up nearby. I'm very happy. I love Smoothie King. It is the goat best Smoothie King place ever. Best Smoothie place ever. Uh, truly living up to Smoothie King name. And my second bit of the landing strip this week. I know I'm cheating a little bit. Grown men, and I saw this at the Green and White scrimmage. Please stop posting up for the t-shirt cannon. Like, don't don't knock over little kids to, to get a free cheesy t-shirt. Like, let let the kids have the t-shirt. Please buy your own shirt. It's really not that overpriced at the team store. Uh, Sliz, over to you.
1: I'll uh, I'll cheat too and go go a two for. I, I'm excited. This is our. Starting this week, we've got football. Even if it's preseason hmm. football, it's football. You know, no more kind of just trying to interpret and you know, kind of put together a map of whatever beat reporters tweeting out at practice. No more, you know, kind of fake scrimmage. Oh, they don't have pads on. Oh, those sacks don't count because it's practice. Uh, they're simulated sacks that might not have been a real sack in a game. No, we get we get to start seeing football. We get to see camp battles play out in front of our eyes one jets drive drops tonight so you know go out watch that get hyped. Um, hopefully we'll get some Carl Lawson rehab sessions again like last year. Um, I, I don't know it's I'm excited. Football's here. Uh, fantasy football starting up getting all those drafts scheduled all the leagues put together. It, it's a it's a good time for sports.
0: Really hoping that Carl Lawson goes overboard with the anime again just to much. Yeah. Uh, Drive oh, yeah. one of our one of our certain users a little bit crazy. <laughs> uh, so that'll do it for the inaugural episode of the Jet Fuel Jets Discord podcast. We hope you had a great time listening to it. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, you can find me at uh, Sliz underscore NYJ.
0: And please join our growing community at the Jets Discord podcast, and we will listen. Oh, hope you guys listen again and we will talk to you soon.